it's, uh, it's wonderful to, to be back. We are going to be continuing on in this series that we started last week, um, which we entitled Question Mark. Uh, and the idea is we're beginning that, that teaching series, hoping to examine questions that we find through the Gospel of Mark, questions asked either of Jesus or by Jesus, uh, that, that help to demonstrate the authority that Christ has. And so if you could flick on my presentation there, please, that would be brilliant. Um, and that, that, that authority that Christ has, sometimes it comes through in what he says and what he does and everything that he does, but particularly there are moments in Mark's gospel where we see these questions coming that, that help bring his authority to light. And so last week we examined Mark chapter 8, just a few verses, where Jesus asks the disciples, who do you say I am? In Mark eight twenty-seven to 30. And, and we considered that that, uh, that that question actually serves as the foundation of this whole series, as well as the foundation and the key question that any of us can ask in all of our lives. Who do you say Jesus is? Uh, and the reason that it's foundational for this series is that we saw last week that the authority that Jesus has comes from who he is, comes from his identity. So answering that question and the question, the answer that we're given by Peter in verse 29 of chapter 8, where Peter says, you are the Messiah. Knowing that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, that is who he is. Therefore, his identity provides the authority that he has for all of his life and for all of his teaching. So everything he does matters. Everything he says matters because he is the Messiah. He is the one who God has sent to take away sin. He is the one who God has sent to rescue us from judgment. He is the one God has sent to bring us into eternal life with him. He is the Messiah. He has that authority. Therefore, we must listen to him. We must watch him. We must hear what he has to say. Everything he does matters. Everything he says matters. Therefore, how we respond to him matters more than anything else. And so because Christ has this authority, this series will hopefully lead us through uh, some of these points And this isn't an exhaustive list of where Jesus has authority, but we're going to see through these questions that we'll examine that Jesus has authority to teach. He has authority to speak truth, even to power, even to religious leaders. He still speaks truth. He has authority to forgive sin. He has authority over the natural and the spiritual world. He has authority to call people to leave everything and follow him. Christ has authority because of who he is. He is the Messiah, and therefore he demands and and carries this authority. And so this, this question, who do you say I am? What is the identity of Christ? It's a foundational principle for this whole series. But as I said, more than that, it is, the, it is the foundational question that we must ask ourselves in our lives. Who do I say Christ is? Because to know him as not just the Messiah out there for other people, but to know him as my Messiah is the key question that we can answer in all of our lives to know him as my savior, to know that I have confessed my sins before him and in faith I am clinging to his saving work on the cross. Therefore, he has removed the stain of sin as I stand before God. I'm welcomed into the family of God, adopted as his son, with him forever in all fullness and in all eternity. That means I know him as my Messiah. And, and, And the opposite is therefore true. To to not know him as my Messiah means that that we carry our own sin into eternity where where we know, where we would know the the horror of eternal judgment for that sin. But Jesus came as the Messiah so that he could become your Messiah. And so he offers forgiveness. He offers to take away the penalty of sin. He gives life 
He is and can be your, if he's not already, he can be your savior, your redeemer, your rescuer, your friend. Not just for this life, not just as a companion, but forever as your Lord and Savior. So when we put our trust in him, he becomes my Messiah. And that is good news. That's why Mark's gospel begins with the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Mark's gospel, these 16 chapters, this this fast-paced account of Jesus' life, it is good news because it shows him as the Messiah who can be my Messiah. He is my rescuer, my savior, the, the redeemer of all who put their faith in him. And so Mark's gospel is good news because it's about Jesus. He is the Messiah. He is the one who came to save. He is the one who then carries authority. And as we've seen, that authority is based on who he is. So that question from last week still stands. Who do you say Jesus is? Or as Jesus would stand to ask us, who do you say I am? In his words. Jesus' authority comes from his identity. And we're going to move on through Mark's gospel. And as I said last week, we're not necessarily going to work our way through the first half of Mark's gospel systematically, but we are going to pick up different themes as they come through. And one of the themes that we see, and I would encourage you to sit down and read Mark's gospel in one sitting and just read it from start to finish. It's not that long. Even get it in an audio book and, and listen to it in the car on the commute to work. Listen to it in its entirety and you see these themes bubbling to the surface. But one of them is the emphasis on Jesus' teaching, what he came to teach, how his main mission was to preach. And all of these things come through and come bubbling to the top. And so we're going to look at that today because it's clear that, that Jesus carries authority. And because he carries authority, then everything he says must be listened to. The teaching that Jesus gives is well worth listening to and putting into practice because he has authority. The teaching of Jesus is worth listening to and putting into practice because he has authority. So because of who he is, because he has this authority, and by authority, remember, I mean the, the, the power, the, the weightiness, the, the, the rightness that he carries, then we can take nothing that he says or does lightly. He is perfectly pure. He is God in human flesh. Therefore, nothing he does is accidental. Nothing he does is coincidental. So we must take it uh, and treat his words Uh, Well, the teaching that he gives is not just good earthly wisdom. It's it's not just a good historical account that we read. These are Jesus's words. And that's important because of who he is. He is the Messiah. He is the son of God. These are not just a man's words. These are God's words brought to us. And so these aren't just the, the, the ramblings of a Galilean carpenter. No, these are the words of the one who spoke creation into existence. And these are divine words, as we'll come to see later. And so these words carry authority. What he says matters. What he does matters. Therefore, how we respond to him matters. And my prayer today is that we see this authority that Christ has to teach. And we see it with greater clarity, which then enables us and compels us, in fact, to, to decisively submit ourselves to his teaching. Because we recognize him with greater clarity as the one who has authority to teach, then it's his voice, his words, his teaching that we want to come under and live under the rule of. And so my prayer is that we listen to and that we live by the one who has authority to teach. We listen to and live by the one who has authority to teach. And we're going to find that in, uh, we're going to begin there in chapter one. We're going to read uh, some some of these verses actually we read last week. 
Um, but it, it's a very clear and wonderful example of the authority that Christ has right at the outset of his ministry as he comes. So if you do have a copy of God's word, please turn to Mark chapter 1. We're going to read verses 21 through to verse 28. If you don't have a copy of God's word with you, please do uh, have a look for one of the red, back, red hardback uh, Bibles around um, and have a look there. Please take that with, with you. If you don't have a copy of God's word um, or if you're on a device, then, then bring that up. So Mark chapter 1, verse 21. They went to Capernaum, and when Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. In some ways, maybe you could say, all right, that's enough. We stop there. Amen. Closing prayer. Jesus came. He began to teach. People were amazed because he had authority to teach. What more is there to say? Well, I believe that God has much more to, to show us through these verses. Verse 23, just then, a man in their synagogue was possessed by an impure spirit, and he cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus, I said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, and this is our question for today, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. And news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. You see that question? What is this? A new teaching and with authority. Now, now, there's much that we could explore in terms of the content of Christ's teaching. And that's not necessarily the angle we're going to go down today. What we're going to do is almost step back and see the authority that he has to say all of those things. But as, I'm, as much as I encourage you to read through all of Mark's gospel, if you want to take notes and have even more homework, ch- check through the gospels for specific instances of Christ's teaching. What the content of his teaching, what words does he say and pass on to his followers? So maybe it's the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5 to 7. Maybe it's some of the parables. Uh, we'll reference one of those in Mark 4 today. There's a lot in Mark 4 or Luke 15. There's a few more parables. Maybe it's when Jesus is sitting with his, uh, with his disciples in the upper room from John 13 to 17. What does he say? What does he teach? That's the content of his teaching. We're not really going to base ourselves there. But essentially, open the Gospels anywhere and see Jesus. See him teaching. And if you want to dive into what does he teach, because what he teaches is good. It is good news. He begins his ministry right in, in, in chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. When John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus came to proclaim good news. So everything he says is good for us. I would encourage you to do that. But as I said today, we're, gonna, we're almost going to step back. I'm not going to deal with a specific area of teaching that he gives, but rather recognize that everything he says matters because he teaches as the one who has authority to teach. And there's at least three things from these verses in Mark chapter 1 that we've read that show us something of Jesus' authority. Jesus' Jesus's authority to teach is at least these three things. His authority to teach is direct. His authority to teach is divine. And his authority to teach is displayed. His authority is direct, it's divine, and it's displayed. And so as we see here from Jesus' authority to teach being direct, we see this from the, 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 um, the congregation's original reaction to him in verses 21 and 22 when he comes to Capernaum. So Jesus and his disciples come to Capernaum, 
And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. And the people there were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. So Jesus and his disciples make their way to Capernaum, this uh, this town on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And as, as soon as they're able, in fact, the ESV says, immediately they go to the synagogue. But whatever, whenever the first Sabbath came that they were there, they were straight to the synagogue. And when he arrived, Jesus begins to teach. Uh, and in itself, that, that might not have sounded very strange. It wouldn't have seemed very strange to the people gathered there. They came to the synagogue to be taught. Teachers of the law brought experts in the law, brought messages to teach that's why people gathered isn't that why we gather too to hear god's word proclaimed and so the people gathered in the synagogue to be taught but the difference is on this sabbath in this synagogue in capernaum it's jesus doing the teaching and there's something different about it he is teaching as one who has authority the people in verse 22 were told the people were amazed at his teaching they were amazed that word could also be translated astonished or, or impressed. Essentially, they are blown away by what Jesus says and how he says it. Now, now, we're not told a great deal of content about what Jesus said in this synagogue. And I think that's, that's intentional. In fact, Daniel Aiken, a, a commentator on this verse, said that Mark's focus is on the one who is teaching. It is on his authority and the astonishing response of his hearers. The point is here not to try to unpack, well, what is it that Jesus actually said? It's to stand back and appreciate Jesus spoke. People were amazed because he had authority. Jesus were, the people were amazed at Jesus' teaching. But, but, but why were they amazed? Was Jesus just a really compelling orator? Just a brilliant communicator? What, what was it that amazed them? And verse 22 tells us the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. They were amazed because his teaching was different than they were used to hearing. And here we're introduced to this contrast that will arise again and again through Mark's gospel between Jesus and the teachers of the law or the religious leaders or the Pharisees or Sadducees or scribes, the religious groups against Jesus. It's a common theme throughout Mark. And here we see that Jesus is teaching as one who has authority because the teachers of the law who taught week by week, Sabbath by Sabbath, did not have that authority. And so the people were amazed. You see, the, the experts and the scribes who would be coming to do that week-by-week week teaching, they, they were experts in the law. Yes, absolutely. They knew pretty much everything there was to know about the law. And they also knew what any well-respected teacher historically had said about the law. And so generally, the, the, the common practice was that they didn't bring in a fresh message about the law. They brought a, a message from history that someone else, some great person had said this about this passage. And so the authority that they had to teach was actually derived from whoever that person was who said it to them or who they read or who they had learned about. It wasn't coming directly through them. Contrast that with Jesus, who stands as the one who has authority and teaches. Now, now don't get me wrong, there's nothing inherently wrong about learning from the wisdom of, for those who have gone before us. But that's not the issue here. You see, the scribes had regurgitated the teaching from others meaning that they didn't have their own authority to teach. Their authority was derived. You want to continue the Ds. Their authority is derived. Jesus' authority is direct. As Jason Mayer brilliantly puts it, Jesus did not quote authorities. He spoke as the authority. 
Jesus' authority wasn't derived from others who he had learned it from. No, his authority was directly from the Father. See this really clearly in a beautiful passage in John 12, and especially the ESV picks up this up wonderfully. And Jesus speaking says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, which is what to say and what to speak. And I know that this commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. See where Jesus' authority comes from? Directly from the Father. For I have not spoken of my own authority, but the Father who has sent me himself has given me a commandment. So what I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Jesus has direct authority from the throne room of heaven. That is why he has authority to teach. That is why the people are amazed. Because this is not some regurgitation of something that someone else very clever had said throughout the centuries. No, this was a fresh revelation from the throne room of heaven through his son. So Jesus spoke what the father told him to say. The authority that he had was direct. And so the words of Jesus are the words of the father. His authority was direct and therefore people were amazed. And this links with our second point. This authority is direct Because his teaching is directly from the Father, we know that his teaching is divine. His teaching is divine. And and as this synagogue uh, scene plays out for us in the chapter, in Mark chapter 1, we see in verse 23, then this man possessed with an impure spirit comes and the impure spirit cries out in verse 24, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? And we looked at this verse last week with the, the impure spirit then says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The impure spirit recognizes Jesus for who he is. He is the one who's been sent by God. He is the Messiah. And the impure spirit knows that because that's who Jesus is, Jesus has the authority to do whatever he wants with this impure spirit. Have you come to destroy us? The implication is because if Jesus says, yes, the spirit's wiped out and he knows it, we'll deal with his authority over the spiritual world in another week. But we talked about this last week, that the the source of Jesus' authority to teach comes from who he is, comes from his identity. And as the Son of God, as fully divine, he carries authority. He is not just a man teaching clever things. No, he is God in human form teaching truth, divine truth. And so Jesus is the Son of God. He is the second person of the Trinity. He he fully existed before coming to earth in heaven with the Father. He is fully God who becomes fully man. Now, in, in humbling himself to take on human flesh, as we read about in Philippians 2, that doesn't water down his divinity. He is still fully God in human flesh. Now, our minds are blown by that. That's the mystery of, of the incarnation. But Jesus is walking around the earth as fully God and fully man, fully both. As I recently heard someone rap about on Jack's recommendation, he is 200%. 100% human, 100% divine. This is God with us. And so everything he says carries the authority of God because he is God. He is God. And this matters because when we look through Scripture at the, the, the impact of God's words, recognizing that Jesus is God, we see that God's word is powerful. It is creative. It is transformative. It is restorative. It is unmatchable. It is corrective. It is unquestionable. It is right. It is true. It is eternal. Read Psalm 119 to see more 
descriptions of what God's word is. And everything Jesus says is exactly that. God's word brought the entirety of the universe into existence. Do you remember that in Genesis 1 and 2? How did God create everything? He spoke. And it came to be. Everything we know came to be at the response of God's word. God's word is powerful. And the words of Jesus are exactly the same. They are powerful. They are transformative. They are creative. They are restorative, corrective, unmatchable, unquenchable, right, true, eternal, etc. God is speaking as Jesus speaks. Because Jesus is divine and he carries the divine authority as he speaks. You see this really clearly again in in Hebrews chapter 1. In Hebrews 1, this is the very beginning of this letter. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. The son's powerful word is sustaining all things. We cannot take the words of Jesus lightly. He has authority. Because authority is direct. His authority is divine. And so we must do something with his words. We we can't just leave them on the shelf gathering dust. We can't just consign them to history as, as good historical documents. We can't put them on the same par as a fairy tale we tell our kids. The words of Jesus carry authority. They are direct and they are divine. And actually, God the Father tells us what to do with Jesus' words. In Mark chapter 9, we see this, what what we might find is an incredible scene of the transfiguration. In Mark chapter 9, and then let me read what happens and then we'll focus in on what God the Father says about what we should do with the words of his Son. Mark chapter 9, verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led him up the high mountain. Where, he left, where, uh, where they were alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us go, let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And then in brackets, he did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Peter shot his mouth off before thinking it through, and Mark has the grace to add in. Cut Peter some slack. Can you imagine being in this situation? What would you have said? And then, verse 7, then a cloud appears and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud. And what does the voice say? This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Listen to him. This is God the Father, just as he did at Jesus' baptism back in chapter 1, confirming this is my son. Jesus is God's son. Listen to him, therefore. Everything he says matters. Listen to him. Because of who he is, he is my son. We must listen to him because he has authority to teach. And that authority, as we've said time and time again, it is directly from the Father. It is divine. He is the son of God, so listen to him. Finally, Jesus' authority is displayed. Getting back to Mark chapter 1, we see we've just, we left it there as the impure spirit had shouted out to Jesus. And Jesus' response in verse 25, be quiet, 
said Jesus sternly, come out of him. Six words, which then utter a life-changing experience for this man and the spirit. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. You see, the, here the people have not only heard Jesus speak, but they've now seen his authority on display. As this impure spirit has convulsed, is how the ESV has that, convulsed this man and left him at the words of Jesus. Now, the interesting thing to note, even as this finishes in verse 28, news about him spread quickly over, over the whole region of Galilee. We're told that everyone in the synagogue was amazed. And one of the things that we must pay attention to is that being amazed at the words of Jesus and spreading his news is not the same as coming to faith in him. Being amazed at the words of Jesus is not the same as putting your trust in him. See, we're not explicitly told, it may well have happened, but we're not explicitly told that those who were amazed then trusted the one who amazed them. And it is possible from what we see in a, in a parable that Jesus teaches in, Matthew, in Mark 4, the parable of the sower or the parable of the four soils, that it is possible to hear the words of Jesus and be unchanged by them. And I wonder if, if many of us could confess to not listening to the command that Jesus gives twice in chapter 4 of Mark where he's giving these parables and he says twice, whoever has an ear to hear, let them hear. If anyone has, an, has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, I wonder if some of us or many of us maybe would confess to treating the words of Jesus lightly. We might have heard everything that we've said already today and agreed with it in our minds, yet we know that our lives don't reflect it. Because if we truly believe that Jesus had this direct, divine, and displayable authority, our lives would be different, wouldn't they? How could they not be? Jesus' words show us how to live, and yet so often I know my life doesn't reflect it. I treat Jesus' words with, with the same kind of flippancy as I treat the news sometimes. What is going on? How could we? How can I? He is the one who has authority to teach I want to be that good soil. I want to be the soil that, that, that receives the seed, that it flourishes in, that it grows to 30, 60, or 100 times, and it produces a crop. Well, well, the first thing I have to do is listen to the word. I have to listen. I have to take it in. Don't we see this in James chapter 1? This is a verse that we refer to a lot in our Head, Heart, Hand series, but James chapter 1, if we want to know how we can be uh, not only hearers, but doers of the word. Listen, the, the words are here. James chapter 1, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at, at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. You see what we're to do? We are to listen to the word. I do, I do love that James um, opens this verse in verse 22 with, do not merely listen to the word. We can't neglect listening to the word. In verse 25, he picks up on that and saying, whoever looks intently into the word, we are to dive into the words of Jesus. We have them preserved for us here, so freely accessible to us. And yet so often we, we, we don't give the time to listen. 
Or if we do, it's a cursory glance as we pass by to listen to something else. No, we look intently, verse 25 says. Whoever looks intently into the word. And so we listen, and we listen intently with purpose and with depth. And then we do what it says. Man, that sounds easy, doesn't it? It's easy to say, and it is difficult to do what the word says. But that is, that is what a faithful follower of Jesus seeks to do. We do what it says. Recognizing that in verse 25 again of James 1, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, as we look intently into the words of Jesus, even those words that challenge us, even those words that, that go completely against the way I want my life to go, even though, Jesus, I wish you said anything but that, no, even that word will bring freedom as we live for him. And verse 25 finishes with, they will be blessed in what they do. Living under the lordship and authority of the words of Jesus brings a life of freedom and blessing. Now, that might not be freedom and blessing as we would define it, as I would like freedom and blessing to look in my life. But spiritually speaking, eternally speaking, freedom and blessing as we follow and obey and sit under the authority of the words of Jesus. This is really challenging. I get it. But for us to know genuine, faithful, obedient following of Jesus, we must listen to his word and do it. And he will help us. Of course he will. But we recognize in all things that he is the one who has authority to teach. We recognize that his authority is direct. It is divine. It is displayed not only in the pages of scripture, but we know the authority of Christ when we see it displayed before us. And so our encouragement this morning, I pray as we head out of here, our encouragement is to listen more and do more. Listen better and do better. Not in our own strength. I don't mean that in terms of, come on, folks, let's get going. I mean it in terms of let's submit ourselves under the authority of the one who speaks and do what he asks, joyfully, obediently, in freedom, knowing blessing. We do what he asks. So hear his word, do his word, because his word is good news to each and every one of us at every stage we're at. Let's pray for his help and his blessing over his word. Father, we thank you for your word. And, and we mean, we thank you for the written word that we have before us, Father. And that written word which speaks to us and shows us the living word, Jesus Christ. The word who brought all things into existence. The word who was with you in the beginning. The word through whom all things were made. We praise the word. We worship the word, capital W, Jesus. And Father, we, we therefore want to be people of the word. We want to be we want to submit ourselves to you, Father, recognizing that that will mean cost and sacrifice as we seek to follow you. But as we do that, we recognize, Father, that in your walking in step with you and in, in submission to the word that you give us brings freedom and blessing in, in the life of the believer. But, Father, we need your help. Oh, we confess the times that we have lightly trodden on your word that we haven't taken it, we haven't intently looked at it. We've, we've just treated it cheaply, Father. Forgive us, we pray. Thank you that your grace is sufficient even when we feel weak 
And in this area, so many of us feel weak. We struggle even to read. We struggle to listen to your word. Yet, Father, would you help us, we pray. Teach us, we pray, so that we will know your guidance, we'll know uh, the, the, the path that you call us to in obedience. And therefore, Father, as we do, people see the word in action in our lives and they're drawn to you because your word brings freedom and blessing. Would you help us, Father, even when that's difficult? Help us when that's costly. Help us when it's joyful. Help us to encourage one another in that. Help us, Father, to be listeners of your word and doers of it for your blessing, for your glory. And empowered by your spirit, we pray. It's in your name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Amen.